And we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitch, it's good to kick off the second act of our week here where we talk about what's going on in the sporting world. And uh, we got some news that broke late last night. We got some games to cover, some uh, announcements to highlight. Should be a good one here. Yeah, I mean, I woke up to the news. You sent it to me while I was asleep, actually. So we do have some news to talk about. Uh, I know we're recording a day later than usual because we wanted to make sure we could cover the Cavs before heading into the All-Star break. Girls tournament play has already started. Girls are back in action tonight in our respective areas. Lots to break down here as we get into a fun time now. And, you know, people might think, oh, football's over, Mitch. What are they going to talk about? We have plenty to talk about. Of course, we got baseball We got ba- coming up. We got basketball in its height right now. Uh, I might even get into some fighting stuff here later down the line, even though it's not, you know, the biggest thing right now. But uh, before we get into that, obviously, you guys can follow us here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe at the bell. You can also follow us on our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. They're not ours, particularly. They're just the ones that we put our podcast on through Anchor. That is not a sponsor. We just like what they do. You can also hit us up on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can find our latest articles, our videos I just put up yesterday. The Inner Valley Conference all team selections for boys and girls basketball. Be sure to see all of your favorite local players there that made the team. You can also go to BTS Ohio on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram, Big Time Sports Ohio. And of course, at Mitch Spinell and at Mitchell Bala, pretty much everywhere Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, the works. So we now go over to start off with Mitch, the Cavaliers game last night. And we'll get to the news, obviously, in a second here because it's pretty big. But Cavs went to Philadelphia last night and it was embarrassing for the first three quarters. Philadelphia just looked like they were ready more, much more ready for the game than the Cavs were the Cleveland looked timid at times. They, the shots weren't falling. You had multiple turnovers that led to Philadelphia points. All five starters were in double figures. James Harden nearly had a double double in the opening quarter midway through the opening quarter. And once you got into that fourth, like many times this season, the Cavaliers, Staged a bit of a run, and it's not easy to come back from a 28-point lead, even in an era now where 28-point leads can feel like 8-point leads sometimes. That being said, Cleveland didn't escape with the victory. You lose that game 118-112. to 112. Philadelphia extends the gap a little bit going into the All-Star break. And Mitch, to me, it's just kind of, I give them a lot of credit for coming back, but I think it's just kind of an example of where Cleveland stacks up in comparison to Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, even though Cleveland has played with those teams multiple times this season and has beaten them. Yeah, and I think there's there's been a common factor when we talk about these Cavs losses in big games this, this season, Mitch. You look back all the way to the day after Christmas when we played the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, it's a new-look Nets team that is in the NBA right now, but at the time, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving played, and that team shot 61% from the three-point line. You look last night, the Sixers after the first quarter were seven of eight from behind the three-point arc. Uh, You mentioned James Harden, Mitch. That was the first time I've seen James Harden play like that this year out of the games I've watched of the Sixers, at least on national television. Now, I don't watch every Sixers game. I don't get every Sixers game. The Sixers came out last night like they had a point to prove, as they should. Mitch, if there's a team right now in the Eastern Conference that has the most to lose, it is the Philadelphia 76ers. How many times do we need to talk about a team that has a player like James Harden, who is notable recently for choking in the playoffs. Joel Embiid, not showing up for every single playoff game. Doc Rivers, the most 3-1 series leads blown in NBA history. 
this is a team, Mitch, that came out with a point to prove last night, and they flexed on the Cavs, who are a young team. They were dominant from behind the three-point line. Joel Embiid showed that he is a problem, even if the Cavs have two seven-footers. And it's not the Cavs' fault they couldn't stop him, Mitch. Right now, it's a 1A, 1B race for MVP. I truly don't know if you get it wrong between Jokic. It would then be the third time in a row winning the Most Valuable Player Award and Joel Embiid, who's finished runner-up to him the past two years. The Cavs, though, Mitch, did not look like a team that's number one in the NBA in defense. Last no. night, they came into the matchup, the number one rated defense in the league. 38 points in the first quarter. They only gave up 25 in the second quarter, but at that point, the Cavs only scored 14 second quarter points. I mean, that's abysmal. For a team that has the likes of four players in your starting five that you feel like you go to any given moment to get a basket in Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, the Cavs couldn't score. And you mentioned it so many times we've seen this year, the Cavs then are up for 42 fourth quarter points. They outscore the Sixers 74 to 55 in the second half last night. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. And I give them credit for as much as they were getting blown out. Uh, I mean, it was ugly. This is a national TV game. I do believe this is the first national televised game the Cavs have now lost this year. I don't want to say they weren't ready, but maybe they were overwhelmed. And that's why you have to give credit to Philly. I'm not going to overreact because I still believe this Cavs team is the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference as it stands. You mentioned we've beaten the Bucs in Cleveland one time this year. We're 2-0 against the Celtics. I believe we're now 1-1 one one versus the Philadelphia 76ers. As good as the Sixers played last night, Mitch, I don't know if they can play much better. And I think it's safe to say the Cavs have a lot more room to get better from that game, specifically just the first half. Now, the Sixers this year, <laughs> the reason it wasn't over, Mitch, is because I believe the Sixers have the most 20-point leads blown in the NBA this year. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've blown 21-plus point leads to the Knicks and the Magic this year in games those two teams came back and beat the Sixers. So watching it in the fourth quarter, I wasn't surprised, but it was too little too late because they got down by so much early on. And really, Mitch, Evan Mobley looked outmatched last night. If I have to pick a player that looked outmatched, it was Evan Mobley, especially in that first quarter. He missed two free throws. He he had a couple balls that he was looking for a teammate that just wasn't there. Balls off his hands, ball knocked away. And that's where you have to give credit to the Sixers front court of not only Joel Embiid. People forget how good P.J. Tucker is, Mitch. P.J. Tucker is a guy yeah. that is strong, that can get you points every once in a while, and that plays good team basketball. And I sat here telling you I thought the Cavs are better than the Sixers. I think I still believe that to a degree. I think if they played this series in the playoffs, this is a series that goes seven. They might be the team, though, that's best equipped to handle the Cavs down low because they have P.J. Tucker, too. But I'm not going to overreact so far as to say, oh my gosh, the Cavs are light years behind this team. It's three teams in the East because when this Sixers team has gotten to the playoffs, when these two players I already mentioned in James Harden and Joel Embiid have gotten to the playoffs, they have some pretty bad performances when it matters most. Sure, and and to be fair, I don't think the Cavaliers need to panic right now. You get a bit of a break now. Your next game's not until a week from today against Denver following the break in Utah. Obviously, the... Uh, Cavs second half performance was well enough that you could have seen them staging a huge comeback and they didn't just give up, which I appreciate. It's not like you went on national TV and just packed it in after three quarters to the point where it would have gotten a lot of national pundits being like, 
oh, it, they're not ready. They're not ready, which I thought was going to be the case up until the Memphis fight, which seems to be like this sort of linchpin moment for this entire season. That being said, I, I, I also think that the Cavaliers are sort of this buffer right now for the contenders and the pretenders with the Eastern Conference. And I don't know if you agree with me on that, but, but you see on the standings here, Cleveland is fourth, obviously, five games behind first place Boston, who they've beaten twice, four games behind Milwaukee, which granted you won in a game where you didn't have Giannis and a bunch of other pieces on the floor, but you still got the win, beaten Philadelphia. And you got behind them in fifth place Brooklyn, who's going to fall off a cliff, not to the point where I don't know if they'll be within the bottom uh, five of the East by the end of the year, but it's not going to be as strong as it was with Katie and Kyrie, even amidst the chaos. Nine and a half games back to six-seeded Knicks. The Knicks beat you at the Garden, but I could see the Cavs taking them in a seven-game first-round series. Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington. I mean, the Cavaliers are just sort of the... They're almost like the hipster pick to win mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference at this point in the season. Yeah, you. that's spot on. Because I think the Nets are still a playoff team. Now, when I say playoff team, I understand that play-in doesn't count as a playoffs, but I kind of just group that together because you're fighting for a playoff spot while playing an extra game or two potentially to get into the playoffs. I think the Nets will still make it, but there's only one team behind the Cavs that would really kind of frighten me if we played them. And that's the Miami heat. And I think that Miami heat have the same exact thing that the Sixers have. And that's a big man that has shown that he will dominate against you. And the two bigs you have in Bam Adebayo that game, the heat came into Cleveland and won just a couple weeks ago, Mitch was very eye opening because Jimmy Butler to me is the ultimate ultimate competitor without being labeled as a top player in basketball right now, if that makes sense. Like nobody has Jimmy Butler in their top 10, but we all know what Jimmy Butler is capable of. We saw what he was capable of in the bubble against the Lakers in the NBA finals. Um, He is somebody that takes the game of basketball and obviously his profession very seriously. And Bam Adebayo is an all-star center. He has been an all-star. He might not be this year, but with where we're at today, yes, there's one more round of games tonight as we record this, but the Cavs are ahead of where I think you and I probably projected them to be heading into the all-star break. And it's kind of frustrating because way, you know, in the past, the all-star break, at least when our parents were younger, was the midway point of the season, much like the MLB all-star break is. And now here are the Cavs at 38, you only play 82 regular season games. So we're over, we're approaching almost the, the three quarter mark of the season. They still have two games against the Celtics. I believe they still have two games against the Bucs and at least one or two against the Sixers, or I might be confused with the Bucs and, and the Sixers. The Cavs play every single game in the Eastern time zone, I believe, except for one after the All-Star break, which is in Chicago. And they already really got through the gauntlet of their schedule, Mitch. We sat here and talked about in the 2020 year, you know, you know right after Christmas, they're going hit, to hit these games and these are all playoff contenders and some of these are title contenders and they survived that. They're 15 games above 500. I will take that. I will take the four seed in the East and who knows what happens. Look, the Celtics right now are still without Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, I believe. Tatum is sitting here and there. The Bucks, hottest team in the NBA right now, 11-game win streak going into the All-Star break. Mitch, I am excited to see what happens here. I think the Cavs are as solidified as the four seed in the East. And if they were to fall to the five seed, okay. But if they fall to six or anything below that, this is going to be a monumental collapse and failure for the Cavs. 
No, I agree. I, I even got some numbers here. The Cavs since the start of the season, 15 and nine, since you mentioned that run where you're going to have a whole bunch of uh, potential playoff teams to play in the regular season. They have one game left against Boston in Boston Two, two excuse me. They have a, a, a back and back, whatever that's called. Uh, they have two games against Brooklyn, uh, one game against Philadelphia, uh, and then two games against Miami, which are both in Miami in two I, days. I saw that. I don't know if that's a scheduling, if that's just an error on the website. I saw that as well. I, feel- uh, I there's. I think Orlando is also listed as that as well. If you go down to the bottom of the schedule to end the okay, year. Okay, so ESPN might, ESPN.com might, might just have an issue. Unless it I'm, might be correct. I'll, I don't know. I'll certify it. Well, speaking of, well, yes, one number I know ESPN did get right, the one that caught my eye, you mentioned Miami. They are the only team, along with the Cavaliers this season, that is averaging less than 110 opponents' points per game throughout the league. Cleveland is currently at 106.1, tops in the league. Miami's at 108.3. Everyone else is above is 110 or above. So if you're at, you're if you're going to have a defensive matchup or a tough defensive matchup in the postseason, it's going to come against a Heat squad that. Uh, Keep in mind, this is a team. What was it? Two, three years ago, was was in the finals bubble. So I, I yeah. this is a, a, a capable team. Maybe the rest of the league caught up to them. Certainly caught up to the Lakers. And, but, uh, yeah. and they took the Celtics to seven games, I believe, True. to go to the NBA Finals last year. This True. is a team, Mitch, that I think has been slept on. They have definitely been underwhelming so far in the regular season. But it's a team that I don't want to see in the playoffs, right? I mean, yes, you don't want to see Boston, Milwaukee, or Philly in the first round, but. I don't want to see Miami in the first round as, as fun of a series as that could be. And even if the Cavs were to play them and if they lost to them, you would probably learn more out of that than getting in and sweeping a potential Knicks or whoever wins the play in right now. It's the heat Hawks, Raptors, wizards. Yeah. Miami is a team that is just kind of flying under the radar that I feel like has a switch. They can turn on as soon as they make the postseason that I don't want to see. That's fair. Now, the Cavaliers loss last night featured a couple of players that were out for the game. You had Jetty Osman, who was dealing with some neck spasms, Ricky Rubio, who was dealing with an illness. He also had two players who were who were inactive, just not playing in the game. And one of those players may not be active for the Cavaliers for much longer. And this is a segment that emotionally touches more than some average run-of-the-mill Cavaliers player you sign in for the rest of the season. Um, not to say Danny, not to compare it to like Danny Green, who just signed with the team. That's fun because he came back after 13 years. But it's the end of the of an era in Cleveland. Kevin Love mm-hmm. and the Cavaliers have started discussions on a buyout, and the sides could come to separation terms during the All Star break. That was reported by Jason Lloyd and Sham Sharania for the Athletic last night, late last night. Like I'm talking, I was driving home from my night shift, and it was like one. It was like 1 a.m. around that time, and I and I got that notification on my phone, and I almost couldn't believe it. But if you've seen what's happened over the last few weeks, you can. Love has been in Cleveland for nine years now. He is the last remaining member of that 2016 finals-winning Cavs team. You uh, were reportedly formally requested to be bought out on Wednesday, and he's in the final year of his deal worth $31.2 million, and he hasn't played in the last 12 games. He's been out of the rotation. So, Mitch, it's not unexpected. It's unfortunate, and it just kind of signifies... You know what's funny? It signifies the end of an era, but it's not a bitter end because we've made this amazing turnaround to the point where this team can survive even with those pieces 
no longer with the organization. Yeah, you're right. I, I think typically when you think end of an era, you think, oh, well, they're back to sucking, right? They're this team that can't compete. But here we have sped up the rebuild process, obviously. Uh, Kobe Altman, give him his flowers. He got into that three-team deal to get us Jared Allen. We got Darius Garland. We drafted Evan Mobley. And then we traded for Donovan Mitchell. This rebuild has been sped up. Kevin Love, though, Mitch, holds a, a very big place in my heart because of the 2016 NBA Finals, because of the name and the expectations he helped bring to the Cavs when we acquired him for Andrew Wiggins back in the offseason before the 14-15 season. This is a player that I think, first off, he's a five-time All-Star. He was an All-Star here in Cleveland. I think he was a player, Mitch, that I don't want to say we took for granted, but I think there are some people who took him for granted. I agree with that. I, I think that you saw how good he could be when playing alongside LeBron and Kyrie. And there's always going to be the what if. What if Kelly Olenek does not rip his arm out in the first or second round of the 14-15 playoffs? Do the Cavs win the finals then against Golden State? Potentially. I mean, the Cavs just ran out of gas because Kyrie was hurt and missed the series after game one. Uh, Matthew Dellavedova was literally on fire that series, but had to go to the hospital to get IVs because he was cramping. So you just always wonder, but Mitch, this is also a guy that the Cavs signed to a huge extension when LeBron left. That was very eye-opening. Why are we doing this? And, you know, it was the Cavs saying, we're not going to rebuild. Well, it ended up looking like we had to rebuild and, you know, Kevin became frustrated. There's yeah. still the many plays under John Beeline where uh, he chucked the ball at Colin Sexton. He turned the ball over on purpose and he was frustrated. And I believe it was partially because he was told it wasn't going to be a rebuild. At the same time, Mitch, he's a big part of the turnaround. Look back to last season. Last season was so much fun. He was fun. He was re-energized. He was playing big time minutes. And Kevin Love now, and look, something could still happen, but it, all signs point to him being bought out. I, I, I truly believe he hasn't officially been bought out yet because the Cavs are probably trying to A, agree on money, and then B, try to keep him away from the Eastern Conference. Obviously, reports are out there that Miami is the front runner to land him, yeah. which would be so scary because if you do play Miami, this is the this is the Cleveland fan in me. How what what would happen if he's the one that hits a shot to either tie a series or take a three two lead in the series after you release him? But even if that's the case, Mitch, I can't blame him. He has fallen out of the rotation. He was playing hurt though. I'm still going to sit here and tell you he was trying to actually him went back and healthy and knowing I think he's kind of taking Kevin Love's spot. And Kevin Love's a liability on defense. I'm not going to sit here and act like he's not, but it sucks because it is an end of an era. It, it's the end of the greatest team you and I have seen in our lifetime in the 2016 Cavaliers. I saw this poster right here over my shoulder, and he's sitting there in the middle with all the players after they won the finals. Um, he was a big, big advocate also off the floor for a lot of things, Mitch, uh, mental health and things like that 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 hold uh, near and dear to my heart and, and other people. So it's more it's bigger than basketball. Uh, but I loved Kevin Love. I loved him in Minnesota. I, I remember I don't play fantasy basketball a whole lot, but I'll never forget looking at him. This was a guy in Minnesota, Mitch. There, there was a time he was averaging 20 points and 20 rebounds. He was the 2020 machine. Yep. And he was never going to be that in Cleveland because in Minnesota, he was all by himself. But this guy, the 34 points in the first quarter against Portland, uh, he was, what, what was it, 14 boards, and then locking up the unanimous MVP in game seven of the finals, who was also a plus 19 on the floor in game seven of the 16 NBA finals. 
uh, plus 19. Like that's huge. LeBron wasn't even a plus 19. It's just ultimately going to suck to see him go. But I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that he is a player that the Cavs are going to be able to bring back and honor uh, at certain points in his retirement. And I ultimately believe that his Jersey should be retired inside rocket mortgage field house, because he also mentions in the top five or top 10 in certain uh, categories in Cavaliers history with rebounds, three point shooting, whatever it may be. Um, Kevin love. I will always love one of my favorite Cavaliers of all time. Um, it sucks that we're here. It's not official official yet. It certainly looks like it's going that way, but I obviously hold on hope that maybe something changes and he stays here, but all signs point to him being gone. I wish him nothing but the best. I think it'd be cool to see him go out to LA maybe and play with LeBron again. We'll see what happens, but I just really hope he doesn't go to Miami. It, it definitely it's he'll, he's definitely one of my favorite Cavaliers for not just this era, but in all of the years I've been a fan of the team and I'm going back to what you said. I think there were times that we kind of took him for granted because when he came first came in, it was like, wait, what you got Kyrie, you got LeBron and then you got the 2020 guy. This is going to be amazing. And then it really just kind of became LeBron and Kyrie featuring Kevin Love and then kind of the rest of the squad. And the numbers took a dip when he went, made the transition from Minnesota to Cleveland. Last year in Minnesota, he was averaging 26 points, uh, 12 and a half rebounds a game. Those went down to 16.4 and 9.7. His highest year with uh, Cleveland in points was 19 in 2016 and 17. So it wasn't quite the heights that he reached in Minnesota when he was the only scoring option there. That being said, you listed off all the reasons why he was special. He, he showed you how talented he could be, how he could break out for these big scoring performances, how good of a spot shooter he could be from the three point line, how much of a paint presence he could be putting the ball back up in the basket or getting a key rebound and making an athletic play. I remember watching him, Locked down on Curry at the top of the key, wondering if he was going to fall off the tightrope, and he didn't. He stared the unanimous MVP, like you said, dead in the face, and Curry blinked first. Maybe nine other times out of ten, Curry would have him blink first, but that was the one moment that he stepped up. And he had a number of key plays around the end of that finals game, too. But he was able to share in the franchise's greatest moment, and I'm extremely lucky to have been able to watch him over these years and see him embrace the the city and community. Because even though, like you said, he had a bit of a stretch there where I think it was April of two years ago, which is crazy that he was firing the ball at teammates. He just looked like he was completely done. And granted, it took the team getting good again for him to be like, all right, I, I, I'm, I'm back on board. But he could have easily just checked out of here after the end of that first contract. And he was able to stay behind do a lot of good for the community. You mentioned that Players Tribune article of his that was kind of eye-opening at the time and really kind of opened the floodgates to other athletes, hopefully and potentially getting help. Um, yeah, it, that, that's really all I have to say about Kevin Love. I I know he'll be inducted into Springfield soon in a couple of years from now. We'll be at his Jersey retirement yeah. ceremony. And I hope that people, when they look back on this era, on the era of Cavaliers basketball from 2014, through let's say 2018 you remember he could play the guy may, may have not have been LeBron may not have been Pete Kyrie for the Cavs dude could play and I hope that's the biggest message people take away 
from this discussion. All right, when we come back, we uh, will go over some of the high school rounds for this week. We'll also go over some baseball, since now pitchers and catchers have officially reported to spring training. Stay with us. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostran Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level eight. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. 
And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Fidel, Mitchell Bala. Mitch, uh, you know, we're going to get into some high school talk right now because obviously postseason uh, play has started. Uh, a lot of games starting in girls basketball. Boys start next week. I believe there were some games in the Sark County area that fans were able to go out and see earlier this week. I mean, kind of give us a rundown, man. Who's who's in, who's out, who's going to be uh, playing this weekend for a chance to go to the districts? Well, let's start with the girls, Mitch. Let's let's start right there. Obviously, the boys you mentioned, some teams in action, they're coming down the home stretch here. Uh, you have a couple teams like the Green Bulldogs who played Akron Firestone. They play Nordonia to get ready for the playoffs. Jackson played Medina, Shaker Heights. But besides just affecting the overall records, it, there's nothing much there besides getting ready for, ready for the playoffs. So, Mitch, we look at the brackets. Games are tonight. The sectional championship games are tonight. We will start with the Northeast one sectional district bracket where the top seed in this district is the Canton McKinley Bulldogs. Canton McKinley will host Glen Oak tonight at the field house. You would have to assume McKinley would handle Glen Oak there. Uh, you're talking about a team that clinched the federal league share with green and also a team that uh, was last in the federal league this year. Akron Ellett and Cleveland Heights, that game at Akron Ellett for girls, the winner of that game plays the winner of Canton McKinley and uh, Glen Oak next week and then the top end of that bracket the only other team that's well excuse me the other team in it is the north canton hoover lady vikings mitch they went on the road and knocked off menor this past uh what was it monday actually they beat menor 35 to 30 so hoover as the 19 seed going on the road in the first round showing you that they are battle tested they will now take on painesville riverside which is a very tough team they're a nine seed overall but Keeping highlighting things here, just teams we're aware of and teams that we've covered this year. You look at Northeast two, the sectional district. Uh, you look at some other teams around here. You look at someone like Green. They're the third overall seed in the super district. This is the top seed in Northeast District Two. Green plays Stowe Monroe Falls tonight. They are a seven seed. Mitch uh, have heard they have a couple injuries though, and so we'll see if that's true. But Green is a very battle tested team a team that went to the regional semifinals last year before being knocked out. Their battle tested returned everybody, but two players from last year's team, a team I wouldn't want to face. Uh, so they play Stowe Monroe falls. They will get the winner of Maslin and Shaker Heights, Hathaway Brown. Now Hathaway Brown's the four seed Maslin 23, but Maslin with a nice win over Twinsburg or excuse me, will play Hathaway Brown who had a close win over Twinsburg. That was a four versus 29 seed. Green, in my opinion, Mitch, is still the team to beat in this one. The team that I think could give them problem problems is Hoban. That is a team that they had played already this year and lost to Hoban's the sixth seed in this district. Uh, Hoban will play Cuyahoga Falls tonight. They will face the winner, or the winner of Cuyahoga Falls and Hoban, excuse me, will face the winner of Shaker Heights and Boardman. Green and Stowe, winner, will face the winner of Maslin and Hathaway Brown. And then Northeast 3, sectional district. This is the top overall seed in the entire Super District. This is Solon. Solon won their first playoff game 75-16 to 16 over Willoughby South. This is a team I got to see in person this year, Mitch, and they are as good as advertised. They are a very, very, very deep team. They have players that can score from all around the floor, inside and outside. Uh, they played Jackson this year. It's where I saw them. Jackson led for 35 of the 36 minutes. Solon took their first lead in the game with about 50 seconds to go and ended up winning by a point at Jackson. What makes this interesting, though, Mitch, is this is Jackson's district. And these two teams could potentially meet in the district final. So you have Solon playing uh, Ashtabula Lakeside tonight. That's one seed versus 35. 
You have East Lake North playing Maslin Perry. So the Perry Panthers on the road after they had a nice win over uh, Brush, 44 to 37 in the sectional semifinals. So the winner of North and Perry will take on the winner of Solon and Ashtabula Lake. Jackson hosts the Nordonia Lady Knights tonight at Jackson High School. I will be over there calling that game. Uh, Jackson, the 10 seed. Obviously, Mitch, we talked with them before the season head coach Anthony Butch. This is a team that went to the Final Four last year, returned two Division One commits, three of the starting five from last year's team, and they were just hindered by injuries all year. Lauren Pallotta missed three-plus weeks. Lena Patabanla missed three-plus weeks. Megan Campbell missed over half the season. Mitch, they're all back, and that is huge for Jackson. Megan Campbell, who was thought to have been lost for the entire season, returned last week in the final regular season game at Salem, played 18 minutes. Mitch, she opens up the floor. She's a three-point specialist. She will take pressure off Lena and Lauren, the two Division One commits for Jackson. So Jackson will play Nordonia. The winner of that advances to Ravenna and will play the winner of Louisville, who is the 12th seed and 24th seeded Hudson. We mentioned the episode earlier this week, Mitch Hudson, the 24th seed, upsetting eight seed Lake at Lake last Saturday, 47 to 45. Jackson has played Louisville this year. They have not seen Hudson yet. So if Jackson gets by tonight in the sectional championship, they will be game two next week of the Ravenna district semifinal. That's an 8 p.m. tip next Tuesday. Mitch, if this shapes out how it's could and they play Solon, those are two top teams. And I would have to imagine Jackson feels really good at getting back at that team now with Megan Campbell back and knowing that they led for 35 of the first 36 minutes of that game earlier in the season. But this girls tournament, Mitch, we mentioned it before. We mentioned when we talked playoffs with anything. Just because you're the top overall seed does not mean anything. Lake just got to witness that last week. It is whatever team is playing the best basketball right now. The hottest team, Mitch, to me, can be more dangerous than the top-seeded teams that are just coming in thinking they're going to get by. And so it's not going to be a surprise to me if when we talk next week, we're talking about some of these top seeds being upset by lower-seeded teams that are just playing well right now. I'm excited, though, because I think the Federal League has a plethora of teams that can make a deep run here. Looking at Green and McKinley, obviously, first the two teams that won the Federal League. Jackson, now that they're healthy, if everybody's healthy and meshing, this is a team that has the experience to get back to where they want to go. Perry with a big win, Hoover with a big win. This is going to get fun now, and we'll be able to break down the boys next week. We know once the tournament starts for them and the girls are in the district round, but as of right now, I would love to see Jackson and Solon in the district championship. I would love to see Green and McKinley get to their respective district championships because I do believe that those three teams in the Federal League that I just mentioned, Jackson, Sol or Jackson Green, and McKinley, are three of the top teams in the area. No doubt, no doubt. But on my side, we have a couple of games already being played on Wednesday night that will lead to this weekend's sectional finals. We had in Division Three last night, Tuskegee Valley winning their opener over Lisbon Beaver 65-22, a game in which Tuskegee Valley's defense really showed. They had 33 forced turnovers on the Beavers, 20 of them steals for the game, which many teams don't even commit 20 turnovers at times in a game, much less 20 steals. Uh, the Trojans will play Martins Ferry on Saturday at Inzorville. The Trojans are number two in the Division uh, Three tournament. Martins Ferry is number six. You also see the Claymont Mustangs. They were able to win 50 to 33 over St. Clairsville and Yorksville last night. Uh, Claymont is sixth in the tournament. They will take on uh, Fort Fry in their uh, section in the East District 
matchup in division two. We had new Philadelphia winning at the end. New Philadelphia was down 30 to 17 at halftime and outscored Steubenville. I believe it was, yeah, 21 to nine to advance to the sectional finals uh, against, uh, I believe, Carrollton. Yes, Carrollton will take on the Quakers after they beat East Liverpool, 68 to 37. It was that game. Carries Young had a last second free throw to clinch the win for New Philadelphia. And also Dover. Dover beat Morgan last night by a score of 41 to 32. So the Crimson Tornadoes are number 11 in the East District in Division II. They'll play top seed Millersburg West Holmes on Saturday at 1 p.m. As for some of the games we have later on tonight, I had a list here of the potential matchups that we will be seeing later on throughout the day. Among the matchups for Thursday night, you have top-seeded River taking on 16-seed Connaughton Valley in the Division 4 bracket. So the Division 4 tournament will start for the East District tonight. You have Garraway, number 7, taking on 13th-ranked Caldwell. Uh, an interesting one between Central Catholic at number 6 and then number 10, Bishop Rosecrans. Frontier will play Newcomerstown. That's three versus 15, while second-seeded Highland plays number 14, Toronto. Uh, number eight, Malvern, will host number 11, Steubenville Catholic Central, while the fourth-seeded Strasburg Tigers will take on number nine, Shenandoah. So those are the games we have for the girls' side of the tournament, the boys coming up next week. Now, as for the rest of the league, it was released yesterday, some of the uh, all-IVC boys' and girls' basketball selections. There were a number of te- uh, players selected for the honors among them. Uh, both of the players of the year for the North and the South are actually three among both uh, divisions yesterday. Garraway's Alex Roden and Sandy Valley's Dante Fiello were named the IVC South co-players of the year, while Jalen Barino was named the North player of the year. Uh, his coach, Dennis Tucci, also was named IVC North coach of the year while Sandy Valley's Gary Offenberger took the South honors. Now, Barino was one of two first teamers for the Hornets. Mitch Miner was the other one. There were four overall and that included the likes of Dylan Phillips and uh, Jason Barino. Now for the uh, Bra- Indian Valley Braves, they had the most selections among the entirety of the teams with five. You had Isaac Claisener, Tyson Pryor on the first team, Braden Troyer and Reese Colson at second team, and Leo Wenger on honorable mention. A number of other teams, uh, another number of other players on the boys' side. And then on the girls' side, you had the one in the North, one in the South for player of the year. That was for the North, Tuscarora Central Catholic senior Reese Triplett and Highland junior Ashley Mullet for the North and the South, respectively. In the Coach of the Year honors, it was Matt Ward for Tusky Valley taking the South, while Strasburg uh, head coach Troy McClellan taking the North. So McClellan, a former boys coach for the Tigers, taking uh, coach of the year honors and the boys and girls side for, uh, for both the, both teams of the same school. Uh, Triplett and Maddie Farrell were both first teamers for the saints while Megan Pelts and Riley Dillon were honorable mention or second team and honorable mention for Tuscarawas CC in the South mullet had teammates, Mallory Stutzman on first team, sophomore Jocelyn Yoder on second team. And then Abby Miller on the honorable mention to represent the Hawks. Strasburg actually had a pair of first teamers in the underclass. The Tigers had Riley Thomas, who makes the first team for the second straight year. She was only a sophomore this year, while Sophia Seacrest was named as a first teamer as a freshman. Among the North's roster, you also had Buckeye Trails, Josie Creighton, East Canton's Audrey Wade, and Malvern's Maddie Powers, one of the top players in this entire area. Uh, And that's really it for the high school segment here on this uh, segment two. We'll be back right after these brief messages. 
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. Mitch, we are now at the start, as you mentioned in the last podcast, in baseball season now. We are heading into spring training. Pitches and catches reported yesterday, including the Cleveland Guardians, who are out in Goodyear, Arizona. It's an exciting time as the position players will be reporting here very soon. I believe it's today, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're right. I know yesterday there were some pitchers trickling in. There have been a number of players, Mitch, Four respective teams that got that got out there earlier, either A, to get ready for the season, or B, 
the World Baseball Classic is coming up here in March that yes. there are going to be players from across Major League Baseball playing for the respective countries. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know if there are any Guardians, at least on the U.S. roster. Uh, I do believe we have a couple players for other countries. I love the World Baseball Classic. It's so much fun to watch. But at the same time, it's also just exciting to see some of these faces and players that we fell in love with last year during the Guardians postseason run to see how much progress they made in the offseason, who came back, who got there. And some of these younger guys, Mitch, that you know are always rumored around the trade, trade deadline as top prospects. If the, if the Guardians are going to be involved in a top trade, uh, you know, maybe see what happens here in spring training, how they perform in spring training games. But not only that, Mitch, this year we get a new look at some of the new rules and things in place for baseball right away. The first game in both the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League those rules will be put in place. Uh, I know we have a couple that we don't like, a couple that I, I do like, uh, but it's exciting all around because baseball is not far away at all. Both professional, college is already underway, as well as high school baseball tryouts for the respective varsity teams start next week. So we are right around the corner, probably about a little over a month. Let's call it five, six weeks from first pitch being thrown here in Northeast Ohio for high school baseball. I'm happy you brought up uh, the MLB rule changes because I do I did forgot to do this at the start of the show. And I don't mean to cut off conversation with the sponsor. Well, not even a sponsor, but just a promotion for us. But we are, have been starting to uh, put clips of our show not only on the Big Time Sports uh, Podcast Show YouTube channel. You can also find us on my TikTok. It's Mitch Spinell on TikTok, and also here on YouTube on YouTube Shorts. You can find like abbreviated versions uh, on the portrait side. I believe it's portrait landscape. Uh, portrait side uh, I've edited the videos down to just kind of get them condensed but you can obviously watch them here as well to get the full picture now as you mentioned uh, the World Baseball Classic there are no American players for the Guardians or that the Guardians will be representing this year uh, it'll be Richie Palacios from the Netherlands Andres Jimenez mm -hmm. for Venezuela Bo Naylor and Cal Quantrill for Canada uh, and Cade Smith as well uh, Colombia will be represented by Diane Froyas and Mabrice Valoria and Israel will have Josh Wolf. And Aniel De Los Santos is a designated pitchers pool player for the Dominican Republic. So uh, with that, I kind of wanted to talk about some of the things you heard from uh, your favorite commissioner, Robert Manfred, yesterday. Um, or I believe it was. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, there were some some topics he touched on, such as the uh, possibilities of what Oakland might be doing with their stadium and yada, yada, yada. But there was one particular report from Jeff Passan yesterday that I think got people's attention because of the way it was said, not necessarily what it was saying. Jeff Passan asked Rob Manfred about the league blackout rules, which have been subject to some scrutiny over the last few years. And Manfred's response was, quote, the blackouts are the kind of opposite side of the coin of reach. We need to deliver product to fans who want to watch on platforms that they customarily use at a realistic price. That is our number one priority, unquote. Okay, so there's two problems there. Number one, it was the word salad at the beginning. Like there were just too many words upon words. Like blackouts are the kind of opposite side of the reach of the coin. That's where I, I'm like, okay, I can see why some people are frustrated. Number two, there is no public solution at this very moment to address the issues of uh, fans getting blacked out at times uh, on MLB.tv and other places. Rob Manfred wants to make baseball more marketable. Fans are, you know, the fans are, quote unquote, and figuratively dying in terms of watching baseball and being a fan of baseball. 
yet you have these blackout restrictions for teams in their own respective market. They can't even watch their team because of now we'll have to wait and see because there are the rumors out there and reports that Bally Sports has filed for bankruptcy, Mitch. But when you live in Cleveland, Ohio, and your cable provider doesn't allow you to have Bally Sports and you still can't find a way to watch your game because you're blacked out, that's a problem. Because not everybody, A, has the time to go to a game in person, or B, has the money to go spend on tickets and then food to watch a game in person. Secondly, how are you trying to make baseball more marketable with your top players throughout the entire league? But there's ways that we still can't access them 24-7. What are people supposed to do that want to watch Mike Trout? Now you have somebody, Mitch, that I think a lot of people aren't even familiar with, like Jazz Chisholm down in Miami, who was the cover athlete for MLB The Show this year. A lot of people, unless you're a hardcore baseball fan, have no idea who that is, have no idea what position he plays. He's getting moved to outfield this year in Miami. He is an electric player. He's a lot of fun. He kind of reminds you of someone like Francisco Lindor, who likes to color his hair and have a good time and smiles a lot. The blackout restrictions are the biggest issue for baseball. You want to put all these rules in place because, oh, fans aren't watching because the pace of play. Or fans aren't watching because it's, you know, the games are four hours long. No, people aren't watching because you don't allow them to watch the game. And now you're going to have people that only get to watch a certain number of games because you still have these stupid blackout restrictions in baseball that when they watch now, we're going to see new rules that they don't understand what's going on. I, at least one of the rule changes, Mitch, I can get behind. And I'm sure we'll dive into a couple of them here. But this is MLB is so bad at marketing the product. And if they market it, they are even worse at being able to make the product available to the casual baseball fan or anybody that wants to get accustomed to the top names and top teams in baseball. And it's not the pace of play, which is why baseball viewership is down. It is the fact that you have these stupid rules in place and you do not allow fans to watch these games or access them at their convenience. Yes, I understand there's probably a couple that you can't get by, and I get that, especially national televised games. But Rob Manfred has gone for everything else but the biggest issue in baseball. And it's the blackout restrictions and accessibility of fans trying to watch their team play. And it is so frustrating. I'm obviously lucky enough to have cable and have Bally Sports, Great Lakes, and be able to watch all the Guardians games. Yes, I've bought MLB TV before. And, and you know, Friday night, sometimes late night, I'll turn on a Seattle Mariners game out on the West Coast. And it's fun to watch somebody, especially like Julio Rodriguez, the rookie of the year. But the fact that you can't do that for everybody, at least not having to pay on top of what they're already paying to watch their, their respective teams, or if they buy MLB network, they can't access their favorite team. It is beyond frustrating. That is the biggest issue in baseball. Rob Manfred is just completely blowing it off and not addressing the biggest issue in baseball. Go ahead and make all these changes. Maybe it helps a little bit, but your product could be so much better if you went after the number one issue and that's accessibility of being able to watch these games, these teams, and these players. Well, it's the MLB.TV that thing that fascinates me because even if you pay for the service, they're still potentially blacking out certain areas. So, for example, I, I, from what I've seen, people in Houston wouldn't be able to watch a Texas Rangers game despite being in a similar state. We can't watch Cincinnati Reds games, as far as I know, in the Cleveland area at, at certain points. And, yeah, I, and I know that it, it, it works for – it works differently for some leagues. Baseballs and basketballs thing is kind of similar, even though it might be changing here very soon on the topic we're about to get into. With football, it's like they're all based on national networks. 
nobody has their own regional thing, even though the Browns have had their own uh, thing for preseason games. Um, and I find it fascinating that this is there are still these sort of restrictions that can, can really hinder a season that requires viewing every single day, or at least would to warrant growth in a sport that needs it. I, I completely agree. And you mentioned the MLB package that you can do. Mitch, there are people that buy that that still can't even access Guardians games because they're in the Cleveland area. And that's also frustrating because I like to mention, not everybody has cable, Mitch. A lot of people, in fact, are moving away from cable and they're going to streaming services, right? right. But if Valley Sports Great Lakes doesn't have that partnership with respective streaming services, you can't watch them. And then you buy MLB Network or MLB.TV and if you're in Cleveland, you still can't watch the Guardians. It it's it's very frustrating. Obviously, I'm speaking on behalf of most people I know, uh, not me personally, because I am fortunate enough to watch the games. Like I said, I believe you probably are too. And if you don't, you cover them enough to be able to watch most of the regular season games at home in person. But it you sit here and wonder when are they going to change it? They're changing everything else, but they have not addressed the biggest issue. And it's it's to me it is the biggest reason why the MLB is, you know, dying or not getting new viewership or more fans. And, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, especially as somebody who loves baseball. Yeah. And you think about some of the people who aren't even in the areas where baseball teams are like, for example, Iowa, who has an issue where apparently they can black out at times. Teams like the Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Twins, Cardinals, and Reds with those Midwestern States, especially that don't have their centralized teams in the state. That is opportunity for a vast variety of fans, and they're being locked out because they're not in a specific area of the country. Yeah, and to me, it's it's very frustrating. You mentioned Iowa. They were blacked out from Cubs games. There have been times they've been blacked out from Cardinals games. Just because that's the most you know, notable cities that have teams that are closest to Iowa doesn't mean you need to punish Iowa for not having an MLB franchise. That's basically what it, what it's almost looked like is, well, you don't have a team, so you guys probably don't care about baseball, so we're not going to make the teams that are closest to you accessible. Why? It, it, it doesn't make sense. And you mentioned Rob Manfred's quote uh, you know, at the start of the segment, and it was like a salad, you said, and I think that is the perfect way to describe it. I don't think he has an answer, which to me, Mitch, means that either him or the people he has in place with Major League Baseball – don't know how to fix it when to me, the answer is right in front of their face on what they need to address first. And maybe some people luck out with not being able to watch games this year, because there might be some pretty bad games to watch at first with these players trying to get accustomed to the new rule changes. You talk about players having to be in a box like this. Uh, what is it? 15, 20 seconds to get back yeah. in a box. Yeah. Pitchers 15, 20 seconds to deliver a pitch uh, coaches. I believe having 30 seconds or 60 seconds on the mound before having to be removed. You might see some players' numbers balloon on the mound. They can't take their time. You might see hitters benefit from it or hitters benefit or pitchers, excuse me, benefit from it. Right. Um, all in all, I think you're going to see pitchers' numbers go up and hitters' averages go up because the band is being or the shift is being banned. Yes. But it could be messy and we might not see the dominant performances from players we are accustomed to seeing dominate the game right away because these rules are so new. You're talking to like the pitchers and the defense specifically, because I do think that Major League Baseball wants to at least pick up the offense other than just everybody gets a home run or a strikeout. But do you think that's going to be uh, 
a major hindrance to those who kind of like the sort of sharp pitching and sharp fielding performances. I, I do because I think you're going to, I mean, how many times last year, Mitch, when Jose Ramirez is up, for example, best player on the guardians, mm-hmm. my favorite player. When he is up as a left-handed hitter, he is a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. They still put a shift on for him. How many times did you see him hit hard hit balls into right shallow right yeah. field, but there's the second baseman out there in shallow right field to throw him out. Now you're going to see hitters like that. Uh, you have hitters like uh, I'm trying to think Joey Gallo right now, granted he's a home run hitter, but we saw him last year, struggle in New York, go to LA kind of revive himself with the change of scenery. Mitch, that's a guy who couldn't hit the back, who couldn't hit backside of the field to save his life. Right. Now you're going to see some guys who have a higher average. Now you might see pitchers give up some more runs because they have to pitch differently or because for the past, I don't know, however many years it's been, a fielder being there on a routine ball that looked like a single that turned into a ground out now is going to be a routine single. So these pitchers' ERAs are going to jump. You might, the likelihood now of no hitters potentially could be gone. Not saying that it's not going to happen, but you've seen some players save pitchers perfect games and no hitters that go deep into games because there are shifts, because they can position each other defensively, Mitch. My top question still, and now I don't know if a team will do this, the shift is banned in the infield. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see teams take their outfielder if a left-handed hitter is a pull side dominant player, are we going to see teams shift center field to left center and bring the left fielder over to right field and play a shallow right field? Because there is no ban to my knowledge on how you position outfielders. So it's a possibility. We'll have to wait and see if any team tries to do that. Uh, but I, I see it both ways. I think at the same time, if you are a professional, you should be able to go backside. You should be able to, if a team's going to shift you all the way to the right, you should be able to hit to the left side of the infield or down the line to the left field. At the same time, right now, baseball's fireworks were mostly home runs. Guardians were the exception to that last year. Just put the sure. ball in play, good things happen. Sure. We might be able to see more good things happen now that the Guardians, with some of these players in the lineup, don't have to worry about trying to beat a shift. You just have to play baseball like you were always accustomed to when you were growing up as a kid, probably in high school for the most part, and even in college, because college you don't see shifts that extreme. We'll see. You might see some players bitch, that have career years now offensively, and you might see pitchers that have dominated recently or have been on the cusp of being that fringe two-starter maybe fall down to a three or four starter now. Fair enough. Uh, there was the other topic that Manfred addressed uh, yesterday that regarded the impending bankruptcy of Diamond Sports Group. And Diamond Sports Group is the subsidiary of Sinclair that runs the multiple Valley sports regional networks uh, that we have for the guardians and Cavaliers games. So uh, diamond sports group announced Wednesday that it would skip its $140 million interest only payment and thus enter a grace period that will probably lead to a bankruptcy filing. Then this could impact the regional sports networks because now it's like, where are these games going to be broadcast? Now Manfred, I think gave a better answer to this on Wednesday. Uh, he says he hopes teams will be continue to be paid their rights fees while the process plays out, uh, saying, quote, or saying that the teams don't want to have they don't want the, the teams to have financial difficulties. And they've been spending a lot of time and effort trying to work with them, figure out where they are. Uh, he says, we think it'll be both linear in the traditional cable bundle and digitally on our own platforms. But that remains to be seen. Now, as I said, our first hope is that Diamond figures out a way to pay the clubs and broadcast the games like they're contractually obligated to do. 
I mean, that's you have a whole network dedicated to this to the league. You mm-hmm. have a streaming you have a streaming base that fans could tune into. It's it's a little tricky now with YouTube TV viewers like myself who lost MLB Network. That being said, uh, it looks like at least Major League Baseball could have something in in setting to offset what is potentially a disaster for Diamond. We'll have to wait and see. I will. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt until it happens. I'm not going to give MLB the benefit of the doubt. This is a spot, though, Mitch, where I can't blame Rob Manfred. As much as I do not like him, as critical as I am of him, this is something out of his control. He does not run the Diamond Sports Group. He was not a part of the Diamond Sports Group that purchased, what was it, from Fox for $10.6 billion. And he is not the head of Diamond Sports Group that is now going, as it looks like, to fail for bankruptcy. So this is out of his control. But to me, this goes back to what I just said about him in the blackout restrictions. This is a potential spot for Manfred to flip the script and get baseball viewership back to where we would like it to be and make all the games accessible. Now, obviously, there's going to be a few teams that aren't affected by this at all. You look at the Yankees who have their own network, the Red Sox. I believe the Cubs and White Sox, or at least just the Cubs, have their own network. The Dodgers. Dodgers. I think there's about seven teams in baseball that have their own network that are not affiliated with Valley Sports and the Diamond Sports Group or formerly Fox. It's going to be interesting. I hope that, like Rob says, they're contractually obligated to still fulfill their their dues and their their deeds of broadcasting these games for teams on this network. I hope they still do that. We'll have to see what happens because, Mitch, this doesn't just affect the viewership. He mentioned in that quote you read, and I have it pulled up here in front of me, they paid so much to be able to do this, and they owe teams money. And that money, Mitch goes to the team and allows the team to spend that money on players. I believe yep. we saw it when the, the Indians at the time, back in 2013, signed the likes of Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne yep. because we went from Sports Time Ohio to Fox Sports Ohio. And with the money and the cash and flow that the Indians organization got at the time, that allowed us to go out and do something we don't really do, and that's spend money in free agency. And now if these teams don't get that money, Teams like us, teams like the Oakland A's, the Tampa Bay Rays, these teams are at the bottom of the payroll, Mitch, are now losing out on more money, and that's not the organization's fault. As critical as you can be of Paul Dolan and other owners, that's not their fault. They signed an agreement, and it was fulfilled and supposed to be promised of money and this much money on this date and so on and so forth. Not only could this hurt MLB in terms of viewership, but this could hurt teams financially and how they're going to go about paying players. So, it's very intriguing. Like this is something I'm intrigued by. And like I said, I can't put the blame on Rob Manfred of major league baseball here. No. And, and the only thing that concerns me about and getting major baseball, getting those rights back to potentially end the blackouts is a good thing. Going mm-hmm. direct to consumer though, would not allow the league to match the money that it currently generates through the cable model, according to Manfred, at least not in the short term, uh, but it could be a short term fix while we figure out what's going on with diamond because if they miss any payments to these teams, the teams can easily just terminate those contracts. Right. And I'm sure some teams have contingency plans for if that happens, they terminate contracts of how the games could be broadcasted regionally per every market and every team. Um, and, and let's for us as guardians fans, 
Matt Underwood, Rick Manning, Andre, not that we're so accustomed to seeing on Bally Sports. Let's keep in mind, Matt Underwood and Rick Manning have been with them since it was Sports Time Ohio. So it's not like if, if Bally Sports falls out and can't do that, I would see those guys disappearing. I would like to think most teams have contingency plans and maybe ways for fans to still be able to tune into a regular broadcast, go out to a bar, you know, with friends or family and be able to eat and watch baseball on TV. We'll have to wait and see, because this is going to be very, very odd. And hopefully if things do go South fast and they don't have the right contingency plans, and I'm talking about for every team, hopefully it's just this season, right? You don't want to see the spillover into 2024, 25, 26, so on and so no. forth, which I don't think it would. I, I, I don't know. As long as I can watch guardians games, I'll be happy. But Mitch, if I can't watch guardians games, I'm going to be one angry man. I already can't watch Guardians games. I have to drive up to uh, the city in order to watch it on my local station's cable channel, or I have to go to my grandparents, which gives me an an excuse to go and see them, other than the fact that I love and cherish them deeply. Uh, What do you guys think of the whole situation with Valley Sports and Diamond? Obviously, you can comment below or hit us up on one of the podcasting platforms. Uh, We'll be back right after this because there's some very interesting news in the NBA and a couple of other stories elsewhere. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance, Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. 
So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like Nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. And back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. Mitch, this report came in three hours after before we started filming today, and it feels like it's kind of gone under the radar to me. The Boston Celtics announced Thursday morning that Joe Mazzula has had the interim tag on his job title taken off, and he has been named the team's new head coach, replacing Ime Udoka, and has also received a contract extension this kind of came as a surprise to me because Adoka got suspended for obviously what happened uh, during the offseason. And then he just figured, oh, okay, he, he might come back. He'll be suspended for the entire season uh, for violating team rules. And then Boston runs off the best record in the NBA so far going into the All-Star break. And it looks like Boston just figured, hey, this guy has no baggage. The team's just as good with him. Let's do it. This is odd. I mean, listen, the Celtics are the one seed in the East and will be heading into the all-star break, whether it's, you know, by themselves or tied atop the East. That's one thing. He's 34 years old, Mitch. And I, there's always the argument in the NBA of, are you a good coach or do you just have good players? And the first person I look to, Mitch, when that argument comes about is someone like Eric Spolstra. Oh, he was only good because they had LeBron, D. Wade, and Bosch. No, Mitch, I think it's safe to say Eric Spolster is a good coach because he lost LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, and the Heat, I believe, have only missed the playoffs once since that team broke up in 2014. It might be twice. This is very interesting because it seemed, up until this point, like Ime Odoka was going to be back next year. At least all signs pointed to that because we hadn't heard anything. But for Missoula now to be the head coach of the Celtics moving forward, to get the extension at the age of 34 and Brad Stevens, who was the former head coach for years in Boston, who is now the president of basketball operations to do this. This is a big deal. Uh, I I just think that it either means they realize they can move on without a Doka and Missoula is ready or that Missoula got a huge vote of confidence from players. If operations staff members went in and talked to the likes of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I mean, the list goes on and on, just the first two notable players on the Celtics. And this is actually somebody, Mitch, if you pull up an article on ESPN, it tells you where Missoula was before. This is somebody that I actually got to watch coach basketball in person because he was the head basketball coach at Fairmont State University before leaving in 2019. Fairmont is a team in the Mountain East Conference that would yes. come to Notre Dame College during the winter. So without even realizing at the time that I was going to be watching a guy coaching college basketball as the head coach of an NBA team in the future, it's pretty cool to see where he's come from and the chain reaction he had. He left Notre Dame colleges coach ended up leaving NDC and went to Fairmont state to take that position. So pretty cool how it's all worked around now, but this did come out of nowhere and it's going to be interesting because now what happens to Ime Adoka? Is this something that goes deeper than just the Celtics organization? Is this something that other teams in the NBA won't want to deal with? Or I mean, Mitch, this is a very good coach. This is a team that coached in the NBA finals last year. Could he latch on with another team that has head coach vacancy in the offseason? Obviously, we'll wait to see 
what certain teams do till after the season, but if it was just an organizational thing with the Celtics, Mitch, I would have to believe Ime Odoka is the head coach of some NBA franchise next season. Yeah. Once teams are done with, you know, the turnover of firing a head coach and starting over or whatever it may be, but good for, good for Missoula. I mean, like I said, 34, he has to be the youngest coach of the NBA. Uh, this is, this is a big time spot for somebody his age uh, in his position. And I don't want to say lack of experience, but at the age of 34, you can only have so much experience as other coaches in the NBA that have coached for years upon years upon years. This is a good spot for him. And we'll have to see how far the Celtics go at something on ESPN. As I pulled up this article, the best record at the all-star break, how they fared over the past 10 seasons. Well, the Celtics are going to have the best record at the break going back, you know, eight years, every team in here, Mitch has at least made it to the second round of the playoffs. If not, the conference finals, NBA finals, uh, or winning the NBA finals. Obviously, a couple of those teams like the Warriors, 14-15, 15-16, 16-17, the Rockets in 17-18 before losing to the Warriors, the Bucks twice, 18-19, 19-20, the Jazz, the Suns most recently in 21-22 before being ousted last year, the Mavericks, and now the Celtics with their situation to still be determined on how they fare in the regular season and playoffs, but he joins good company. We'll have to see how the Celtics fare for sure. And if they can hold on to the number one seed out of the all-star break, because like I mentioned, Milwaukee, the hottest team in the NBA right now, 11 game win streak, just one game behind Boston. No doubt. Going back to Missoula, by the way, he's 34. As you mentioned, Brad Stevens was 36, by the way, I believe when he took the uh, mm-hmm. Celtics job a few years ago out of Butler, I believe he's the, he would be at least the third youngest coach in history because there were two 33-year-olds that ended up taking over teams uh, in the NBA. That was Sidney, Sidney Lowe, former North Carolina State uh, alum, and then uh, Ryan Saunders, flip son. So there's that. Um, as far as the rest of the show goes, I had two more topics. Number one uh, was the Chiefs uh, Super Bowl parade earlier this week. I think it was yesterday. And look, you can say there every time you see a Super Bowl parade now or a championship parade, everyone's in their feelings. Rightfully so. You're celebrating a monumental achievement by your local team. Um, that being said, we had some quotes yesterday from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey regarding how people thought the they the AFC West said that we were rebuilding. That's what uh, Mahomes said. He said, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what rebuilding means. He clearly knows what rebuilding means. Uh, in our rebuilding year, we're world champs. And it's like, guy, we get it, okay? I I picked the Chargers to maybe take you on in the AFC West. I get it. You, I was wrong. You made it back to the Super Bowl. You took on, on a good Eagles team and won. You got some help, but you won. You did it. You made that final kick. You made that comeback in the second half. Then you got uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, being the hype man. I mean, his didn't really bother me as much, but just it's it's – the optics of the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, these Kansas City Chiefs of this era being underdog. You have to be like a you have to be like a one loss team in a Super Bowl from the NFC to make me look at Pat Mahomes and go, oh, buddy, you got some you have a you have an issue going into this game. <laughs> I don't know. It just it seems stupid. And this is obviously coming from a bitter fan whose team can't even get to the Super Bowl, I guess. But just it seems stupid to me. I, I agree. It- Mitch, they were underdogs. They were the second favorite in the AFC 
to win the AFC behind the Bills. Huge underdogs. Nobody saw this coming. They only went to their third Super Bowl in, what, five years, four years? Yeah. I mean, just just a remarkable season. So that would be next year. If the Bills make it, Mitch, they were huge underdogs. So the second best odds on the board to get to the Super Bowl at plus 850. You know, the Chiefs are the favorite. But, you know, maybe if the Chiefs lose a couple games, they're underdogs. It's like, dude, we're not doubting how good you are. We're more so looking to see what teams could potentially beat you. And you also did lose to the freaking Indianapolis Colts in what week three or four. You did. I mean, like you also lost the fastest wide receiver in football that I think it's pretty obvious definitely helped you guys win games, but yeah, you have the best quarterback in football. You have the best tight end in football, potentially the best tight end ever. I mentioned last week, he's top three, in my opinion, it's not, I don't get it. I, I mean, if that's what fuels you, I cool. Yeah. Much like I talked is. about Georgia and Kirby smart trying to tell the bulldogs, nobody believed in you guys. They thought you were going to be a seven and 16. Who said that? Yeah. Who I, said yeah. that? Yeah. Now it's a little bit different, but uh, I mean, you have the best quarterback in football. You have the two time MVP and Patrick Mahomes. I, I just think that we were just hoping maybe you wouldn't get back there. If you want to word it that way. Sure. I was definitely hoping you wouldn't get back there. I like seeing new blood. I think everybody does. I think everybody kind of got the fresh taste of the Eagles being there. Yes, I understand they were there a while ago, but it's a completely different team now. Different team, yeah. have. This is still the same team. This is still the same head coach, the same quarterback, same tight end, a number of same players on the Chiefs that just won the Super Bowl. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I don't think Kelsey's was as, as bad because we know Kelsey is just this energetic guy who's a lot of fun. He also had some alcohol in his system, which definitely helps. But And on his chain. Yeah, hand on his chain, but to your point, it's it's wow, man. You proved all the doubters wrong because you were the second best odds to go to the Super Bowl this year, and you guys did it. I mean, I, I don't cool. Congrats. Whatever helps you get going. And now Kelsey said, Are we a dynasty? You know, I think he already said we've been a dynasty. Yeah. Which, yes, you can call yourself that now, right? Like three Super Bowl appearances, you won two of them, but it's like one it, more. It's one more. I, yeah, I get that. I mean, listen, the to say dynasty, I think people just put the Patriots up there right away because of what they did. Yeah. Which we might not ever see something like that again. Probably not. To me, a dynasty, until it's proven that we won't see it again, this is the start of a dynasty for sure. If they would have lost the Super Bowl, there's definitely no dynasty talk. You're just a really, really good football team that owns the AFC. I... I, I don't know. I just, I, it's, I find it funny when teams like, like to me, Mitch, if the Celtics come out and they win the East, we were doubted all year long. Nobody gave us a shot. No, you weren't the best uh, team at the all-star break. Yeah. yeah you, well, the well, the start year. of the year, start of the year, you kind of wondered because you didn't have your head coach. Right. And then you prove everybody like, Oh, you didn't really not to say you didn't need him in Doka, but it's like, Hey, you guys are still pretty good regardless of who's on the sideline over there. It's kind of like with the Warriors. It's like, yeah, Steve, like Steve Kerr does good as a coach. You have four Hall of Famers in your starting lineup. Like, what? Do, yes. Like, what? Do, what are we doing here? What are we? What are we really looking at in terms of the optics? Um, but yeah, you need one more. Like, with football, I, with any sport, really, three is the key. It could be three consecutive years. Could be three in, I would say, maybe six to seven year window. Yeah. Like the the '90s Bulls are are a dynasty. The '80s Lakers, the '80s Celtics, the like sandwiched in between there are two Detroit Pistons titles. The Bad Boys, the, give them credit. 
they did what they had to do, and that was a hard error to win in. That's not a dynasty. Nope. And, and dynasty. for all the Detroit listeners, I know you're tuning out right now. I'm sorry. Go hug amazing gold flag, and we're going to kick your ass next year. Anyway, Damn we're right. going now to our final topic, uh, which was uh, this is an interesting thing that I found on Deadline via Dove Climbing. Uh, there is going to be a John Madden limited series upcoming. Uh, there's going to, it was reported that, uh, the career of the late John Madden will be the subject of a limited series to be directed by Gavin O'Connor, who has operated in the sporting world. He has done films such as the way back with Ben Affleck and the movie warrior with Tom Hardy and Joe Edgerton. Now, Tom Brady's production company is also behind the series as well. And I'm wondering because this is this is kind of one of those interesting little mini series. I don't know who could play John Madden at this uh, whatever stage is going to be in his career, whether it be like late 70s coaching the Raiders or the broadcasting. Um, that being said, going away from Madden specifically, what NFL centric story or player or coach or team would you, Mitch Bala? really relish at the opportunity to see done in a limited format could be a movie could be a limited series anything come that comes to mind that's a great question and for everybody out there watching or listening he did not give this to me ahead of time so this is going to be my genuine raw reaction and answer here i mean I think if we're going to stick in football, uh, to me, Mitch, honestly, there's one I've always wanted to see, and it may be in movement right now to be produced. I'm not sure if it, if it was that or just people messing around, but there was a topic on another show I was watching recently of, of sports moments you'd like to see made into documentaries or, or specials. Maybe this isn't right along the lines of what you are looking for, but I want something on the Florida Gators when Tim Tebow was there playing with some of those players he played with that had a lot of off the field issues like Aaron Hernandez, like Percy Harvin, like some of these other guys. And obviously urban Meyer, who is now, you know, a very, very successful college football coach, horrendous NFL coach, but something like that. I would like to see if we're sticking with NFL. I, I don't want to say the, the Patriots come back. I know Tom Brady just made a movie about that, that you would have a great review about since you it, saw that movie. Well, well, um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Deflategate, maybe some. I, I mean, all right. How much more can we get out of the Patriots that we already don't have? Right, is my yeah. whole thing. I'm trying, but like that's the thing is like you can really only say the Patriots, Mitch, because to your point of the bad boy Pistons winning two separate championships, it was always the Patriots. That was a dynasty. There was a couple teams here and there that got in there, won a couple couple Super Bowls. Peyton Manning did it twice once the Colts, the Broncos, Roethlisberger with the with the Steelers, Flacco the one year. I don't know. Do we want to do one on the Seattle Seahawks who won one and lost one and, you know, dive deeper into the after effects maybe of them not running the ball with Marshawn Lynch and what, while, why they are where they are now. I mean, I don't know. This is a tough question. Yeah. To for. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll let you go outside of football because there's one that I definitely want to see made into some sort of dramatic could, could be dramatic, could be document documentary, could be anything, but mine would be, about a baseball player. There was a guy by the name of Sam Rice who played in the early 20th century. Do you know about this, Mitch? I don't know if I do. So Sam Rice was a player in the early 20th century for a number of teams, including the Cleveland Indians for his final season, but he spent most of his career with the Washington Senators. Did not have uh, 
the typical start you would see to a major league career. In fact, he got his career off to considerably a late start compared to other people. Uh, he had in 1912, he, he had a wife, he had two kids, two very young kids. Uh, he also had like his mother living and his family living in a, uh, a small town in Indiana. So one day a storm arose in Indiana and a tornado swept across his homestand, destroying his home. Most of the outbuildings of the farm, the tornado killed Rice's wife, his two kids, his mother, his two younger sisters. And then Rice's father survived for another week for another week before dying. So Rice basically lost his entire family in the span of a week when he was only 24 years old. Now, he did play like a little bit of minor league, you know, semi-pro baseball on the side, but he was, his main focus, like many athletes back then, was a job, and then you go play your sport. So then he goes off and works at several other jobs. He joins the U.S. Navy. He was on the USS New Hampshire, and then he ends up uh, joining the Virginia League, and then he gets discovered uh, by the Washington Senators, plays 20 seasons in the major leagues, becomes one of the best uh, of his era uh, as an outfielder, was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1963 won the world series with washington their only one to date until the 2019 series obviously and he is known for a defensive moment that he had in game three of, of the world series in 1925 the senators were up on pittsburgh four to three and it was in the eighth inning where with two outs there was a pirates player who drove the ball to right center field rice ran down the ball and appeared to make the catch at the fence uh, for robbing a home run that would have tied the game. Now, after the catch, he fell over the fence and into the stands to the point where nobody could see him. And when he reappeared, he had the ball in his glove. The umpire called the batter out. And the umpire's explanation was that as soon as the catch was made, the play was over. So it didn't matter where he ends up. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different nowadays where if you run into the stands, they can they consider that momentum into the stands. And then that could affect the gameplay. Uh, Washington still lost that series in seven games, but for years there was a, con a controversy as to whether or not he had actually caught the ball and whether he had kept possession of it. And it was, I believe, on his deathbed, if I'm not mistaken, to where he basically just wrote down a thing that says, at no time did I lose possession of the ball. Like he even confirmed it. This was like if Babe Ruth had confirmed on his deathbed whether he had called his shot or not so i i don't know there's something fascinating about that kind of life that you don't really see in an athlete nowadays and i think it'd be really uh interesting for people to become aware of that is i had never heard of that before that would be very cool especially with how you just said his life ended up with writing that that he never lost possession of the ball i think you can make that extremely dramatic um and even if you wanted to flip the story and say he didn't drop the ball or he dropped the ball that could be cool too, but that, that would be one that would be a lot of fun. That is for sure. I would definitely watch it. Um, that's a great answer from you. Thank you. Very good. I, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to step all over your potential idea because I thought of, I gave some thought about this and I might've sprung this up to you at the last minute, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm also reading a book on Jim Thorpe right now. So, and I, I I'm not even giving football answers at this point, even though I kind of am because Jim Thorpe also played, football but i'm at the point where he gets into professional baseball and then that whole thing that's a very fascinating story as well uh that's it that's all we have for this episode of the big time sports podcast show we thank you guys once again for listening or watching 
Uh, I already listed all the stuff at the beginning. So Mitch, what is our fact of the day? The first footprints on the moon will remain there for over a million years. They've, they've projected that a million years. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I was about to say how many sets of footprints. I mean, obviously there were three sets of footprints from that first expedition, but how many people have been back to the moon since then is what I'm trying to figure out. You're asking the wrong guy because I don't want to work for NASA. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.